0: Welcome to the Manager Matt podcast show. The show is designed to give you solutions to your day-to-day management and leadership problems. It's hosted by Matthew Haddock, a frontline manager and leader with over 25 years of experience. If you're ready, then let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Manager Matt podcast show. Today I will revisit why good one-to-ones can make such a difference and will deliver results I will discuss how to get people on board when they are reluctant, and how you can handle the complete refuser. So let's get on with the show. So thanks again for joining me on this week's episode of Manager Map. Now this week, I want to revisit the one-to-ones. In my view, the most important part of building a strong relationship with your directs. Naturally, with good relationships comes an understanding of the person, their strengths, and how they function inside and outside work. I won't go through all the steps of how to do a one-to-one, as you can recap that in series one, but I will look at some of the common mistakes made by managers or some pitfalls in the process. Now, as we all know, a good one-to-one is time with your directs and it's their time with you as their manager. It's time to get to know them, what motivates them and what happens outside the walls of work. It's not a project meeting or an appraisal, Although it will help to make both go better. No, it's set time for your directs to speak with you as their leader. A two-way exchange with no hidden agendas. In most cases, after bedding in regular meetings with your team and they get used to the process, the individuals actually look forward to the time with you. And my first piece of advice would be if you're getting a mass of problems with people not accepting the formats of the one-to-ones, go back and revisit your launch your communication on it, the structure you're using. If you find there's lots of people not embedded and not embracing, then probably the fault is with the launch. Also, if you still think a day's op-catch up over a coffee or an odd meeting with someone in the hall is a one-to-one, then you're not doing it right at all. Now, don't get me wrong. The one-to-one conversations with you and other directs is fine. Nothing wrong with that, but don't call it formal one-to-one because we all know it's not. It's just a catch-up. It's a conversation, what you did at the weekend, what you're doing at the weekend, and what's going on in your life. So it's not an actual formal one-to-one, which is what we're talking about here on the cast. Although in some cases, your directs might push back and be reluctant to commit to the one-to-one process, I think today's cast examines some techniques to try to reduce that resistance. And the main aim of this cast is to try to find the whys. Why are people not committing to the process? Firstly, let's look at the basics, such as the timing of the meeting. Is it in the right space or the right time of the day or week? These basically could be the real factors that are driving people away from doing good one-to-ones. Now, secondly, what type of pushback are you getting? Is it the constant cancellation person due to other commitments? Is it the coming to the meeting but not interacting kind of person? Those are two of the points that you might see a lot of when you do one-to-ones. And thirdly, what type of person is pushing back and why? Are the individuals reserved and not wanting to talk, and you find it that you're pulling teeth when you have a conversation with them, or is it on the other end, is the person totally confident and feeling that a one-to-one with you is not adding value? So there's that third point of is it the person's sort of you know, way of working that is affecting a good one-to-one? So how to approach these issues? Well, it's important to speak to the individuals about why they are struggling with the one-to-ones. Now, I know that sounds like you need a one-to-one to discuss why they don't want to do one-to-ones. So let me tell you how this is going to work. So let's give an example of what it might look like. Your director puts a head around your office and says, uh, Sorry, boss, I need to miss our one-to-one. I'm just busy. And you say, Hey, hey, no problem. I know we're all busy and it really needs you to get some stuff done, you know, to make sure we get the stuff out the door. One thing is, though, our one-to-ones we've missed, you know, I really do need to have some time with you because I feel they're important. I need you to put in a meeting so we can actually make sure by the end of this week we've had a full recap on how things are going and what support I can give you. So is that okay? So by doing it this way, you made it clear you need to speak to them individually. And you can't just miss week after week after week because it becomes a habit. People miss them once or twice. And before you know it, you haven't spoken them for a month, six weeks and two months. And then it falls off the radar of the person. They don't think that you think it's important and you don't think they think it's important. And before you know it, when it's not important and people don't religiously do it, it stops happening. In most cases, the direct direct will normally get the tone you have set. But if they miss another one, you will have to look at a more direct approach. where you make it clear... You need them to come to the meeting and although it's a two-way meeting with your direct, you still are the manager. So you need them to know that you want them not to miss the next meeting because it's not a negotiable. So say you have had a few people who've missed. I think the next plan you should be doing with the next one-to-one happens is to approach it and make it maybe slightly less of a formal one-to-one. Step back one step and talk to them about why you feel it's important that they work through the idea of one-to-one. You'll need to be able to agree, maybe, differences. So is it, that there's, a, like I said earlier, is it a different time slot that this person would prefer and they didn't want to tell you? Is it a different place that the person wants to do the one-to-one? You can reinforce why that meeting is important to both parties. You can also examine what they want out of that meeting. If it's always about time and work commitments, it might be worth looking at what their workload is and what their workload practices are. You do find that a lot of people say they're too busy. So you give. You're a a conscious manager. You say, OK, no problem. Let's give that little bit of time back to you. But the manager giving the time back doesn't then see any more results. The person still struggles to get the work done. So maybe as a manager, you need to step up a little and just think, actually, is it about the way that person is working? Is it the workload that that person's took on that means they can't be freed to come to your meeting and your one-to-one? I mean, some people feel it might be over the top having a meeting every two weeks, but I know I wouldn't change this as you need to maintain the cadence of the one-to-one. If it's time, then again, you need to work with that direct about their time management as they don't see it as being urgent and important maybe that's what they're doing the work maybe they're not doing the important urgent stuff as they're doing the stuff that maybe they like doing or they've always done or as we've said before they're doing somebody else's work it's also thinking can this person delegate if you're a manager normally directs have got some responsibility beneath you so are they not delegating themselves so they are taking on more and more of the work Maybe it's a good idea, as I said earlier, to do a day-in-the-life exercise. Would that help flush out some of the absorbers of time that that person have? You could find your structure is wrong, and you might need to move work around, or maybe look at generating different systems to try to make sure that that person has more time in their day to do work. No one should have a 100% full day. Now, I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but if you've got a 100% full day and you've got no gaps and no space, then anything that drops means something at the end of the day is going to fail. Or, worst of all, they end up working more and more hours. I've worked with uh, with engineers, I've worked with the technical people, I've worked with lots of individuals who are working 12-13 hours a day, going home, coming in early, and then it's just not a good way to work. They can do it for short terms, when there's an emergency, people get engaged, but longer term, you shouldn't be working those long hours every single day. And if it becomes a habit, it can cause all sorts of issues, both mentally and physically. And also, if you think about it as a manager, is that person really delivering the results you really want them to do if they are burning themselves out? So let's revisit the first two areas we talked about. Those idea of the time and the place. They're very much areas that are more measurable. When it comes to people who are struggling in the meeting and the way they turn up and the way they're motivated, that again, needs a little bit more. That's more about the person, their ego, the way they look. And again, you need to you know get to the root of that cause. I found it's usually a mistrust sometimes in your motivations. And like everything, it's building the trust in time that will really, truly affect the way you are seen as that person. You've got to be true to your word. You have to encourage the quieter people to open up. This might mean a shorter meeting, sending out more notes so the person can get to understand what's happening and more actions from the meeting. Some people are very much around systems and actions. And if it's the more woollier side of things, it might be the more the way the person feels more than what the person does. If the person is overconfident and there's an air of arrogance to that person, it could be linked to a boredom issue. Is your direct really challenged enough? Should they be developed to look at a bigger role? Also, don't overlook, or it could be, a defence mechanism. A reserved person could be using the arrogance and the ego to hide the way they are working. And they may struggle if they're thinking they're going to get found out in a one-to-one. So again, it's back to that trust element. Does your direct really trust what you're trying to do with your one-to-ones? All in all, Whenever you work with people, you'll get a real mix. So before you go too far into it, just make sure that from day one, you have a chance to assess and stand back and see what's happening. With any systems, you need to make sure you're being consistent, but make sure that your directs have the time to digest. That really, you're coming from an angle of caring about them and making sure that they can deliver the results that you want. A one-to-one, as I've said, has no hidden agendas. It's not there to find them out or to catch them out. It's there for you and them to work through the areas that you can really help them improve. At the end of every one-to-one, I say, what else can I do for you? What can I do for you to make your work easier? And I feel that's the best way to end a one-to-one because it's a chance for them to understand that you are there to clear the path to help them deliver their results, which ultimately delivers your results. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Now it's over to you. You have the background of why it works. You have the context of how to deliver results to you. You have a step-by-step guide. Now it's up to you to take the action and start seeing the benefits. So what are you waiting for? Do it. Nothing comes from nothing. Okay, that's it for Manager Matt this week. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Feedback is a gift. So let's keep giving. See you next week.